five, four, three, two, one. Welcome. You have entered the Kai Corso Experience. What's going on, Connie Corso fam? It's your boy, Johnny Doe, coming at you with another installment of the Connie Corso Experience Podcast, your one-stop shop podcast for everything Connie Corso related. I'm not a professional trainer, nutritionist. I'm not a vet. I'm not a behaviorist. I'm not a guru. I'm not an expert. I'm not a um, shaman. (laughs) I'm not a um, breeder. I'm not anything. I'm just an everyday working American that loves my dog and that wants to try to get the most out of my relationship with my canine companion, which is the Connie Corso named Romulus and the bulldog named Bruno. So without further ado, let's get into this. So being a Connie Corso owner has its ups and downs for, for a lot of people. Now, um, I normally try to tackle a couple questions um, that I get on Instagram. I've done a pretty good job in the last couple weeks of just uh, answering them on Instagram. And a lot of stuff is is kind of rehashing and or it's stuff that I do not feel qualified to give a definitive answer like this is what you should do. If you um, have very complex problems, and you message me on Instagram and ask for advice. Just know that you know there's there's so much nuance, and it's very hard to decipher what the true issue is. And especially when you get into medical stuff, um, like should I you know do this or do that? I'm gonna pull back a little bit because I don't feel qualified to give you that advice because it's a personal choice on uh, a, a lot of things that you do with your dog. Um, me personally, just in my personal life, I'm not a big believer in trying to influence, uh, one way or another on really anything. I'm a big believer in, uh, having your own values and kind of having your own moral compass. And if somebody else sees the world differently, it's not because they're wrong. It's just, they see it differently. And as long as it doesn't impact you, then, you know, go do you. And so, even though I might not do certain things with my dog or I might not um, advocate for certain things, it doesn't mean that you're wrong if you do them or if you see the world a little bit different. You just, you choose to do what you think is best for your dog. What I like to get into is, um, especially on this podcast, is really getting people to understand the um, behavior side, the psychology of dog ownership, the psychology of what your dog, how your dog sees the world and sees your relationship and how, um, how you conduct yourself within that relationship, their needs, sometimes their wants and how to, how to get the best out of your dog. Uh, in, in this instance, your Connie Corso. Um, and, and that's what really, um, interest me. All that other stuff, you know, I'm not going to, I constantly get stuff and I'm sure you guys, I mean, there's, there's lots of listeners that I have, have a much bigger following on social media than I do. I'm not a social media guy. 
I have social media to help uh, promote this podcast, but that's it. And I kind of begrudgingly do social media. I, I'm just It's just not my thing. I like being out in the real world. Um, with that being said, um, I, I kind of had a call out for people to send me pictures of their dogs and videos and stuff. And, and I got a whole bunch of them and it's, they're all awesome. I, I love it. I, I, you know, it's easy to trash social media, but social media, if done properly is a fantastic tool. Unfortunately, most people don't do it properly. Um, so you have to weed through a lot of, a lot of crap. Um, the good thing about things like Instagram, for instance, is I, one of the reasons I, I promote my Instagram, the Connie Corso X is because unless I follow, you know, and I just follow like Connie Corso stuff, that's all I see. I don't have to really worry about getting stupid on people's news feeds and political opinions and all this other crap that I get sick of seeing on social media and Twitter and Facebook and stuff. You, you end up seeing all this trash that you really don't want to see. Just that's not what um, I, I want to do with my spare time is get into um, political discourse with some stranger online. That's that's a exercise in futility, right? But what I do love about um, about social media is you can also connect with people that are like minded. And I'm not talking about politics. Okay, everyone always thinks politics when you're talking about like-mindedness. We need to get away from that. We need to figure out the things that that uh, we can agree on. And I don't care what your politics are. I care if you're a good dog owner. That's the only thing I care about when it comes to talking about Connie Corso ownership. If I find out that you voted for this person or this person or you believe in this, I don't care unless we have some other kind of relationship maybe. But if as long as we're... Um, four-legged friends um, centric and we talk about that stuff, then you can get along with most people. I mean, I, I find that most people, like even the people that I disagree with wholeheartedly on their politics um, and how they live their life, I, I bet you we can still agree with 60%, 70%. You'd be surprised how much you actually agree with people. Like they believe in riding, you know, driving on the right side of the road, stopping at stop signs, uh, you know, eating three times a day, um, paying their bills. You know, I mean, it sounds stupid, but we can all relate to people if we choose to. We if we pick out the things that we can figure out that we have commonality on. Okay, and so that's why um, when I say I'm not real big on social media, so use the you you guys that are really uh, do social media well and you got lots of followers and all that stuff. And if, especially if, if, if you're dog centric uh, on your, like my Instagram is just really for my dogs. I have two Instagrams, the Connie Corso X, and that's basically this podcast and Romulus and uh, pig lion bulldog, um, which is Bruno's Instagram. Um, just, so I can look at bulldogs. <laughs> one's bulldog stuff, one's kind of Corso stuff. And on both of them, I will get random DMs of people wanting me to hawk their shit. Um, pardon my French, but like sell their product or, hey, we want influencers or we want, would you have your dog wear this product um, 
And, you know, I'm just not interested. If you're one of those people out there, thank you, but no thank you, okay? I'm not gonna hawk your crap. Uh, I don't I don't care. There's even if it's a product I use, I'm, I'm just not interested in that. That's not what I'm here for. I'm not here to make money. I'm not here to, uh, to even have a, a, a bigger following than this person or that person. And there's definitely YouTubers out there that I like their stuff, but they are in it to make money. It's, um, I, I always, um, it always kind of hurts my heart a little bit when people are like, oh, I quit my job and I just do YouTube full time. And I think that's great that you have the ability to do that. But um, it hurts my heart a little bit when we don't have people that want to actually produce things in society. And this, um, this, I'm producing something, but make no mistake, if this podcast ceases to exist, you'll be fine. <laughs> you know, it's not uh, the end of the world. So, um, you know, I don't. I kind of went off on a tangent here, but um, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to try to sell you guys stuff. Um, I'm not going to try to promote something. If I talk about it, here's here's I guess where my my headspace is at when I do this podcast or I post something on Instagram. If I talk about my dog liking a toy, or liking, or this is the leash I use, or this is the food that he eats, or whatever. I want my listeners or the people that follow me to understand that that's a personal choice of mine. It's not because somebody's lining my pockets. Okay. Um, there's there's nothing wrong with supporting a product that you believe in. There's there's nothing wrong with that. And if you make money off it, that's great. But you're never going to convince me that those things don't get crossed where there's a bigger financial incentive to toe the line um, than then to actually call out one of your sponsors saying, I don't think this is very good or I don't think that it's, I, I don't want to ever be beholden to somebody else. Why would I want to do that? I already have a full-time job. Uh, I'm in the military and I'm beholden to all of you. <laughs> if you're an American citizen, um, to my government, uh, to other people in the uniform. So I do this for other reasons. So once again, I'm not interested if you're trying to sell me stuff or get me to sell your stuff. Not interested. Okay. So what I want to talk about today is, um, first off, I wanted to update you guys on Romulus. He went to the vet the other day for his Bordetello uh, vaccine and just a checkup. It's been a while since he's been. And if you are a avid listener, you know that uh, that's one of his triggers is the vet. He does not do well at the vet. He, um, My dog is already pretty reactive um, toward... I don't want to say strangers, but how about this? Um, he's he's going to side-eye just about most people that come up to me. If you're wearing a mask, uh, he's probably going to side-eye you. If you have him in a confined space, he's going to get nervous. He's going to get anxious. Um, if, you, uh, if he's in a strange place that's even confined, it's even worse. And so you add all that stuff together. Um, and that's the vet's office. And so 
He does well in the beginning, but after a while, it just gets a little overwhelming and it's he doesn't do well. So it's always a, a something that gives him anxiety and myself as well. So my vet does this thing called the chill protocol where we take um, some, some medicine the night before, the morning of, some... Um, some other stuff like supplementation that helps calm him. Um, and then he gets like a, this oral stuff that kind of doesn't knock him out, but it makes him kind of woozy. Right. And so we did that this first time we've, we've tried it. And, um, I mean, we did a test run, but this is the first time we actually went to the vet and he did well. Um, he, he got along. I mean, like when we walk in and I always have him, you know, introduce him to people and have him give him treats and sit and stuff. He does fine. Um, it's always when we go into that room and the vet tech's with us and he does well. And as soon as she leaves, uh, and shuts the door, I know it's going to be a problem because the next person that walks in, because that's just what type of dog I have. If someone just opens a door when we're the only one sitting in the room, he's going to be reactive and he's at least going to be alerted. And especially if they have a mask on and depending on what their body language is, he can be reactive. He did pretty good with the vet tech. Vet tech was able to pet him and all that stuff. Um, but as soon as the doctor came in, um, it got a little bit more of an issue. We got the muzzle on him. Um, I got him in the down position. The vet tech came in, was giving him some like pill pocket treats and stuff. And while the vet was, was, um, was inspecting him, was listening to his heart, his lungs, you know, feeling his joints. And he was fine. I was petting him. He had a muzzle on, but I mean, he was distracted. So he was good, which is a, an improvement because the last time he uh, went to the vet, he had to be completely put under because he was so just agitated. Um, so that was good. Um, after the exam, the vet and I walked outside, um, cause he knew that, you know, Rami would do better outside. Rami was still kind of reactive. So he was kind of growling and, and snapping a little bit at the vet, uh, not like trying to bite him, but you know, just, you, you know, that, that kind of sharp bark where it's just like, get back sort of thing. So I told Rami to sit, lay down. It took me, I'm not going to lie, it didn't, uh, he didn't listen right away, but gave him a correction with the prong collar, turned his head to look at me, got him to sit, got him to lay down, put him in the, in the over position is what I call it, where he's laying on his side, that submissive posture. And I just kept him there for about 10 minutes while I talked to the vet. And he was, he didn't, he wasn't reactive the rest of the time. He just laid there. Um, so overall, um, he did better, but it's still not ideal. And like I told the vet, um, because, you know, vets are very good with understanding, uh, obviously medicine, but they're, I've never met too many vets that are experts in dog behavior, especially with all the different breeds and stuff. They, they know basics and they know, uh, some, uh, but, uh, a lot of them aren't comfortable around large breed dogs and they're not comfortable around, um, dogs that they see as reactive. I guarantee if a vet's been doing it for a while, they've been bit before they've had some bad experiences. So understandably, but, um, and this isn't saying anything about my vet. He, he does a great job. Really all, all the people at my vet's office do. Um, and they always encourage me to, to keep bringing Rami in. 
especially with his dysplasia. They always want to check. Um, he's been doing real good. They gave him some anti-inflammatories if he ever needs it. It's kind of as needed basis, but he doesn't, I don't give him anything actively except supplements. But it was nice to have just in case he overworks himself one day and he's kind of limping around. I can I can give that to him. So what I what I mean by you know they they're not experts in behavior is um, you know I always try to share with him a dog like Romulus he's not going to change. Okay, he can always get better. And, and just like if you have uh, a certain type of personality, if you're Type A personality, you can always try to try to rein some of that in, but you're always going to have that. If you are, if you have anxiety issues, you're, you're nervous about public speaking, you can get better at public speaking, but it's always going to scare you and you're always going to have some anxiety from it. Um, if, if you ever get over something completely, it's because maybe you had a misassociation with it. Like you'll see that with your dogs, okay? That um, there's a disassociation and then there's a misassociation where like, they're scared of a car and then they realize that car isn't something to be scared of, like it just driving past them. And and sometimes it's a true uh, phobia. Like people overuse that term, I have a phobia of this. It's not truly what, a uh, true phobia is something that is irrational and you're never gonna get over, okay? Um, a fear, something that you're nervous about, like I'm afraid of handguns and then I start shooting and, I, and I'm not afraid of them or I'm afraid of uh, learning to swim and then I learn to swim and I'm not afraid of the water anymore. That's not a phobia. That's, that's different. And, and people misuse those things all the time. And so it's the same thing when you're looking at your dogs that are reactive. They have their triggers and sometimes their triggers are something that... Um, uh, I can think of a dozen different things that Romulus was scared as uh, scared of as a puppy. He's not scared of them anymore. And that's because it was a, never a, a true fear. He just had to get used to whatever said stimulus was. And then there's things that are kind of ingrained in them. And when you say, well, Johnny, how do you know if they're ingrained in them? Well, you will, you'll know it just takes time. You'll never know when your puppy is six months old. You'll never know probably even when your dog is a year, but you'll start to you'll start to see what they are at a year. You're gonna start to have a pretty good understanding and definitely by a year and a half and two years, um, especially if you've been trying to um, introduce them to that, that stimulus and get them comfortable with it. If they always have a block and they always kind of regress, then it's probably something that is kind of hardwired in them and they're probably not going to get over it. Now, it doesn't mean you can't get it better. It doesn't mean there's not things that I could do to get him to be less reactive at the vet. There's dogs that they're just not going to like car rides. There's dogs that just are never going to like the lawnmower. There's dogs that just won't like the vet. I have one. And so... It's very important um, that you guys out there know that uh, you should always be, you should never give up and you should always be trying to get your dog optimal. But you always have to be realistic and understand what their triggers are. And if it is a trigger, then you want to train around it. If, if it's a true trigger, like if I take him to the vet every single day, and put him in that situation. Is he going to make it better or worse? 
it's hard to tell until you figure out is that something that's really, really going to bother them. I can tell you this. I can take Rami to the Vex. I've done it before. And he can get more comfortable with like the lobby area in the sense that he's just extremely happy to be there. But he's never, ever going to like being in a, you know, sterile white room with a slick floor that he can't get traction on and have somebody walk in that he sees one time a year or whatever else. If he made, if my vet was my neighbor and saw Romulus all the time and got to interact with him, yeah, I could probably get it better. But he's still going to be stressed in that environment because I can't even give Romulus a bath because we're in a bathroom and as soon as I shut that door, he starts freaking out and I'm his best friend. So I understand that there are certain things that are just his trigger and it's not even about the person in the room. It's about the situation itself. So um, once you understand that, then then you that's when you start modifying your training around those things and stop trying to um, push it on your dog. Um, if your dog is afraid of, of something, the worst thing that you can do, if they're afraid of the water, the worst thing you can do is make them get in the water, okay? Um, if they're afraid of, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of something else that they're, that they can be fearful of, um, that is a rational fear for a dog. Um, you know, I had a bulldog, my, my bulldog Rocky, I mean, bulldogs do not float and they will sink to the bottom. They're so dense. Okay. And, uh, but for some reason he loved the water. He just wanted to jump into a pool and he couldn't swim, but he thought he could because I would usually be in the pool holding his harness and keeping his head above water. So he thought he was doing it. But my point is that he should have been afraid of the water, but he wasn't. Okay. Um, and maybe it's cause he never had a bad experience with the water. I don't know. Um, why are some dogs that can swim afraid of the water and some dogs aren't who knows, but um, it's always good to at least have a common sense approach when it comes to trying to get your dogs over their fears. Now, I want to talk about specifically Connie Corsos. Obviously, this is the Connie Corso experience. So Connie Corsos, like other protection type breeds, um, sometimes people, and I'll, I can't remember if we've talked about this before on this podcast, but what protection is in a dog is, in a lot of ways, is your breeding fear. And let me explain. So as an infantryman in the, in the army, so when I was when I was over in Afghanistan and I'm and I'm doing security, you're doing what's called uh, you know inner cordon or outer cordon security. Maybe you're uh, we would be uh, having a key leader engagement in some village and you would be uh, pulling security and, and making sure, you know, watching people that are coming in and out of the area, watching all the the exits and the entries, um, you know, different line of sights. Uh, bottom line is you're keeping your head on a swivel and having situational awareness of what's going on in your area of operation. And your training teaches you to be leery of certain people with you know, bulky clothes or like one of the things we looked at is if a villager had tennis shoes on, 
Because if they had tennis shoes on, then, you know, because their culture, usually they're not wearing tennis shoes. So tennis shoes are usually your, your, your fighters, your, your Taliban, your people that are going to have to run or, or um, be able to, you know, uh, to uh, run in a, an attack or, or, or break contact or whatever and get away very quickly. So they're not going to have their little man slippers on. So um, there are certain things that would trigger you that would kind of raise your anxiety level. Okay, and I don't want to use the word fear, overuse it, um, because a well-trained soldier, it's not a fear, but you are training them to be anxious. And the more anxious you are, the more alert that you are, the better you're going to be at, at being that soldier, is, is reacting accordingly. And because of this heightened state, because of the training and constantly being put in those stressful situations day after day, week after week, month after month, and sometimes year after year, if you go on multiple deployments. And and if those things end up coming true where you see something and somebody gets shot, somebody gets blown up, you got to engage the enemy, those things become a reality where, hey, this is a real thing. I know that this is a threat. That threat becomes 100% real. So now it does become kind of a fear because you know when you see certain things, I see a bulky this he might might be a suicide bomber with a suicide vest that fear comes in it makes your adrenaline start pumping that that cortisol gets at a high level and you're able to perform your duties because of that fear that fear is what keeps you alive and so what happens to soldiers when they come back from being overseas is you've heard of PTSD promote post traumatic stress syndrome or what i just call post-traumatic stress it's not a disorder um, because to me it's 100% natural it's your body's defense mechanism it's it's not an unnatural thing it's completely natural the disorder is um, the unnatural thing is is when you have nothing to fear and you're still fearful of it right and so um, when that soldier is been trained its whole life, um, the whole military life to fear certain things, then you have to recondition them once they get back. And every single soldier that's a combat soldier, I, I promise you, has some level of PTSD when they come back. I know I did. I know all, all my friends did. And um, it can get better. And it will get better if you, if you try for the most part. Okay? You're always going to have, I'm not going to get into all that. But my point is this, that dogs that are were bred for a certain type of thing, it's not, they're not conditioned. It's, it's been bred into them. It's in their DNA to be, to be alerted, to be stressed, to be anxious about certain things. And dogs that were super good uh, uh, at being alerted by somebody coming on the property or somebody looking shady, or them reading body language correctly and seeing this as a threat, that was the dog that got bred and that that behavior was bred into the breed, okay? They weren't bred to be a family pet. They were bred to be a guardian, a warrior, a war dog, or later guarding a farm or a ranch. And so if you have one of those dogs, like a German Shepherd, a Rottweiler, a some of the Mastiffs, like the Connie Corso, especially the Connie Corso, Dogo Argentino, Borbel, those dogs 
um, of certain lines, you're going to have some dogs that are extremely reactive. It's been bred into to their bloodlines for centuries, especially ancient breeds like that. And so you can get German shepherds that are of lines that are more like the family pet. But if, if you get them from those lines that are more reactive and they, and they have that in their DNA, that's not something, that's not a learned behavior. It's not like the soldier that learned to be reactive while they're overseas. And it, and then once they get back home, they can be kind of retrained, so to speak, and start to learn that, Hey, not every white Toyota Corolla has a vehicle born IED and is going to blow you up. It takes time, but it can be done. It's a lot harder for your dog when it's ingrained in their psyche. Because dogs, you know, their IQ is not what yours is, not what mine is. So you can't just convince them of something. They, they cannot think about those higher levels of thinking of self-actualization and, and self-awareness. And so they are purely instinct-based. And so me, I could see a white Toyota Corolla that used to trigger me when I was in Afghanistan, and I can think logically about it now and go, okay, and, and calm yourself and stuff like that. And over time, you can, you can fix that. A, dog's, a dog doesn't work that way. So if, if you understand that, then you understand what kind of the topic that um, I really wanted to be the headline of this episode is, so you want a Connie Corso. Like this is what you're getting into when you get this breed. Like I'm when I when I went to the vet the first time, or even when I talked to the vet, because um, I you know I take my bulldog all the time, and so they're always asking me about Romulus, and some of them they act apologetic or almost like oh it sucks that you have a dog like that, and they don't realize it's like no this is this is the reason why I got this dog, and. This is what I have to live with. Yeah, I don't like having to deal with him being reactive in situations he shouldn't, but you can't have it both ways. Make no mistake, if you have if you want a dog that is going to be a guardian, and that's the whole reason why I got Romulus, is because I'm in the military and I leave a lot. I'm leaving next week, and my wife, I want her to feel safe. I want people um, around the neighborhood to know that if they come knocking on my door, they got to deal with my dog. If they come around my yard, they got to deal with my dog. I want them to know that. Because the same people walk up and down my street all the time or walk behind my house or walk next to my privacy fence. And they see the signs, beware of you know the dog and all that stuff. And trust me, if someone wants to do someone harm or rob a place or whatever else, they're going to find a different house. I promise you, they're not going to deal with my dog. Because my dog goes crazy when even someone knocks on the door. That's by design. That's what I wanted. That's the whole reason I got him. So you have people. You you have people that say uh, there's two different types of people that that um, I guess try to modify the kind of corso. You got you got person one that says. Um, 
well, my dog is a guardian dog, but I want them to just be a family pet like a golden retriever. Okay, that's that's person one. So they're they're they take a breed that's been conditioned for for since the Roman Empire to be uh, a certain way. And they say, hey, I'm going to take all those generations of breeding. I'm going to flush it right down the toilet and try to turn them into a golden retriever. Then you have person number two, okay, um, that wants to change Akane Corso. And they say, oh, no, no, I want a guardian. I just don't want them to be a guardian. Um, I only want them to be a guardian about the things that worry me. Like their dog is supposed to be a psychic, you know? Um, and so they have this unrealistic view of what a guardian dog is or what a protection dog is or what a even a watchdog is where, well, I don't want them to bark at this or I don't want them to bark at that. Okay, well, you can get your dog to stop barking at the mailman or the UPS man. You can get the dog to stop barking at someone's walking near your fence or walking into your house. But here's the here's the misconception. I, I want to make sure to to share with you guys. The misconception is this. Most dogs will not protect you. Even conning courses. They're going to bark. They're going to charge people. It's very rare that a dog's just going to go up and start biting somebody, even if someone's attacking you. What a dog is more than anything is a deterrent, okay? Unless they are trained to do bite work, they're probably not going to do it. Like, like if you ever, um, I talk about Mike Ridlin a lot on this podcast. He's the trainer that I kind of follow the most. He was a former Navy SEAL. He did all the working dogs for the Navy SEALs and stuff. And he now trains just everyday working dogs. Um, but he, he does a lot of protection work type stuff. And he'll be the first one to tell you. I mean, when you're getting a dog, if they already don't have the right disposition, you cannot train them to go bite something, somebody because it's it's kind of ingrained in a dog not to do that, okay? Um, and so you've got to have the right type of dog that's going to attack um, and that you can still control on, on some level. It's, it's hard to do, okay? And so there's a lot of people, they think, oh, well, my dog loves me, and if somebody broke into the house, they would protect me. Maybe, maybe not. But with me, I understand that. I understand that my dog is not going to be lovey-dovey toward everybody, and he's going to be able, he has the cognitive abilities to make a good, sound decision on when to bite somebody. <laughs> hmm. Well, this person is going up to my mom and they're arguing with her. So that that isn't the time that I should bite. I should wait till he actually puts hands on her. Does that mean push her? Does that mean punch her? Does that mean pull a knife out? What does that mean? And is that a knife or is that a spoon? A dog doesn't know these things. It never will. So your personal protection dog is completely worthless unless you let it work on its instinct and just protect you from the stimulus that it wants to protect you from the uh, person that's walking up to you or walking up to the house or knocking on the door or whatever. Like I said, you can try to control them to, uh, especially when they're on the leash and when you're there to uh, 
be less reactive. But if you completely try to train that out of them, well, there's plenty of dog breeds that are like that and you can look at them. I mean, there's videos of people breaking into houses and the the golden retrievers there wagging their tail, bringing them a ball, okay? There's like surveillance uh, footage. It's, It's pretty funny because if a dog has that disposition not to, you know, to trust everybody, then it's not going to just all of a sudden understand what a ski mask means and, and holding a gun. So I wanted a protection dog. And so I know that comes with a certain responsibility. I understand that the, that the drawback is he can't play with the neighbor kids. Could he? Hypothetically, sure he could. But I'm not going to let him. See, I don't mind him barking at the UPS man. I don't mind him barking at somebody that comes up to my fence. I don't mind him barking um, at uh, somebody coming up to my door. Where I draw the line is um, he doesn't need to be barking at the neighbors in their backyard when they're not even coming to, to us, you know? And so, you know, I had to kind of recondition him on, on that. Not to worry about people across the street, for instance. If, if we're in the front yard and I'm getting ready to load him in the in the car, hey, across the street, bro, you don't got, got to worry about that. Here's the threshold where you got to worry about it, okay? But, but make no mistake, I understood what I was getting into and I understand that that means that he can't be the life of the party if I also want him to be a protection dog. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, um, that there's other Connie Corsos that are um, prominent on YouTube and and uh, and media and stuff like that, and and seemingly so that they are nice to everybody and tolerate everybody. Romulus will tolerate someone petting him, but he's not going to be cool with them just walking into his yard, especially when we're not there. And I don't know if those other dogs on YouTube how they are or they're not. All I'm saying is your dog is either on or it's off. And if your dog is off, you are fooling yourself to think that it's just going to know when to turn on. And unless you do specific bite work training where you're, you, you give your dog commands of, uh, it's no longer a guardian dog. It's now an attack dog. Um, that that's a true personal protection dog is one that does bite work and stuff like that. And still, it's not a hundred percent. There's plenty of, uh, videos of deputies releasing their dogs on people and the dog is just ignoring the command to, to let go of the person. They have to pull the dog off. Okay. Remember, it's a dog. It's not a person. It's not somebody with a 120 IQ that can rationally think about things. It's they're, they're working on instinct. So I guess the point that I'm trying to make is the whole thing with the vet and, and the vet being sympathetic saying, oh, I'm sorry, you got to deal with this. Well, no, because this is, it's not that I want my dog to be reactive at the vet. I just understand that there's going to be things 
and I don't get to choose what it is, but there's going to be things where Romulus gets his wires crossed and he doesn't understand what the threat is and what it what it isn't. That's why you have to be able to control your dog. That's why you want to be able to give them commands and at least get them from maybe a 10 to a 7 or a 6 or a 5 or whatever. That's what I need to work on is be able to get him calmer. Like I said, he's improved since the last time. He listened to me and got over on his side, but he still um, is making his own decisions too much when he's in those extremely high-stress situations. That's what he's got to work on. But make no mistake, it's not that I don't want him to react. I just want him to listen to me better. That's, That's the trick, in my opinion, when you have a guardian dog, is... Supreme obedience is what I'm after. Blind allegiance to me and no one else. But if you think that you're you're ever going to be able to train your dog to have the cognition to make correct decisions, it's not it's not going to do that. It's just not. Like I said, if you want one of those dogs that just is never going to be reactive toward anything, never going to bark at anything, just going to be friendly toward everybody, you can. They're out there. So you say you want a Connie Corso. Well, this is what you got. And I promise you there's listeners out there, I know I've talked to them, that their Connie Corso is extremely docile. That's normal, okay? You're Not everybody gets every bit of every gene pool. If you understand how genetics works, um, you know, you might be nothing like your mother or father, but your, your personality is more like an uncle or a grandmother. There's, there's, there's things that skip generations. There's, you, you don't, you're not a 50-50 mix of your mother and father. That's not how genetics works. You might be 80-20, You've seen people that their kids look exactly like either the mother or father and not very much like the other one. It's because we're not a complete split of the mother and the father. And if you're a breeder out there, you, you know this to be true. That there's If you have a line, sometimes you see something that, oh, I saw this and like the grandfather of on this side, uh, this trait. But the mother and father didn't have it. But, you know, Connie Corsos, they're not all the same, but they're going to be more that are like Romulus. He's probably at the, uh, he's at the upper spectrum, without a doubt. But they're all, just about all of them, just a, you're going to have some that are extreme one way or extreme another. And if your dog is docile and uh, loves everybody and isn't distrusting of anyone, then um, yeah, that's that's unique as well. But the stereotypical thing, most Connie Corsos, just like German Shepherds or some or other protection type dogs, they're going to be a little bit more leery of strangers. Connie Corsos probably being one of the most, as far as most dog breeds go, that are just very aloof to strangers, distrusting of strangers. 
here's uh, here's what I challenge you to do. Watch um, some of those videos of people with Connie Corsos on YouTube meeting strangers. Okay, then I want you to Google Golden Retriever or or um, you know Collie or some other dog that is a people dog. And have and watch that dog meet strangers and look at the difference. See, you can have a Connie Corso meet everybody and be fine, but you're never going to see their tail wagon. They're never going to be like kidney beaning like they do with you when you come home. They're never super excited. They will tolerate it. You can train your dog to tolerate it, but make no mistake, most Connie Corsos don't have it in their DNA to really give a shit about strangers. If anything, they're like Romulus where they're a little bit leery of strangers. They're really watching them. Like my vet, when he was reactive toward my vet, so we're walking out with my vet. My vet even had him sit and gave him a treat, but Romulus was staring at him the whole time. And as soon as my vet turned and kind of stuck his hands out like to talk to me, okay, sorry about that. Believe it or not, my my uh, recording just shut off. So hopefully the rest of this uh, gets recorded properly. But um yeah, my computer, I'm having some computer issues. Anyway, what I was saying is, you know, he was reactive toward the veterinarian because of just what he perceived. Um, and, and he did a good job once I got him, got his attention and got him to sit down, lay down and, and be in the submissive posture. He, he, you know, he was extremely obedient the rest of the time. But my point is that even when that stranger was there and he got a treat from that stranger, that stranger interacted with him. He still didn't, he was still mistrusting of that stranger. And that is what I want because if my wife is um, walking my dog, if someone wants to do my wife harm and just goes up just to talk to her and my dog won't even let him close, he's going to go somewhere else. He's not going to get the chance to I don't want my dog to be able to be bought by somebody where they can just give him some bacon, pet him on the head, and my dog is now their best friend. Because my dog meets people at the dog park all the all the time and meets other people, and he gets to the point where he just was like, he he he's fine around him, but he doesn't seek their affection or attention. Um, like if they have a ball or something, he'll go up to him and sit and want want him to throw the ball or whatever. But he doesn't he doesn't care. Oh about those people. And that's the, the, the one trait that I actually want in my dog. I don't want him to be able to get comfortable because here's the thing. <clears throat> if you have a protection dog, there's a reason you have a protection dog. Me personally, I have my own reasons. Okay. I've, I've seen the ugliness in humanity too much. And my wife, um, you know, as a smaller frame person and, and uh, I want her to feel safe and secure. And there's plenty of people that they might come up four, five, ten times um, talking to her and the dog gets used to this person. They don't see this person as a threat anymore. I want my dog to always see anybody that comes up to my wife as a potential threat um, when it's in that casual type setting. Does that make sense? I don't want my dog to just blindly uh, just go, oh, you know, trust everyone. And I want you guys to understand that whoever 
started breeding Cane Corsos, that's what their intent was too. So if you don't want that, then just understand that you're going against what the breed was created for. So um, that's why I say I'm okay with certain things. Like you'll see me, hear me say things like I'm okay with him being reactive toward this. I'm okay with him being reactive toward this. Um, if a dog is super aggressive and my dog is reactive, I don't necessarily have a problem with that because how do I know that there's not going to be some stray dog that comes over and tries to mess with me um, that's extremely aggressive? I've, I've run into him before and maybe my dog will scare him off um, and get them to kind of keep him in check. And so um, even though all those things are rarities, it's the same reason you got a gun. It's the same reason you got auto insurance or you got flood insurance. It's, it's the chance that it could happen. It's not that you actually think it will. Okay. Um, if you have life insurance, it doesn't mean because you truly believe you're going to die in the next year. Okay. That's why you have it right now is because there's a possibility, but you don't actually think that. Okay. Most people don't usually. Okay. So all he is, is my insurance policy. And that comes with a huge responsibility, a huge responsibility, like the biggest responsibility ever in dog ownership. Is having a dog like a Cane Corso. Because if you have a dog like a Cane Corso, it comes with the liability of knowing that they're reactive. They can make a bad decision. You got to be in control at all times. You really got to keep your head on a swivel too. You can't relax as much. When I when you have a dog, not even like a Cane Corso, but like Romulus, when I, I took him on a two-mile two walk this morning and we pass people with other dogs and other I understand that there's a responsibility I have to make sure that he's in the right mindset and that he understands what's a threat and what isn't. And that's always what I'm training toward is, but he's always going to be suspicious. I don't want him just wagging his tail going up to random people. That is not my objective. My objective is for him to be aloof and to not care about anybody that's outside of his bubble. But if someone gets within 10 feet of me, I want him to be alert. I want him to be paying attention. That's where you really have to get the ninja skills in your training up because that's if you're not paying attention, then that dog might make the wrong decision. So that's just me. That's just my why I have my dog. And so I always wonder why people get Akane Corso. Some people just like big dogs. Some people like how majestic they look. You have your own reasons. And you don't have to want a protection dog. You you might want that nice, uh, you know, want a more family type dog. And maybe you can get Akane Corso like that. But just know this. You're in the minority if you have a dog that is just the life of the party. And that's Akane Corso. It gets along with everybody. That's... You know, that's, that's, um, I don't want to say unusual, but it's, it's going to be, you're going to be in the minority, but here's, here's the, um, I guess the rub or the, for everything that is counter, uh, there's something that's going to be positive, right? And the main reason I got a kind of Corso is, um, companionship. With that protection means that they're extremely loyal. 
You're not going to get that kind of loyalty in a dog that isn't reactive and fearful. And when I say reactive, um, usually reactivity is negative. Like it means overreaction. I don't mean it in that context for this um, example. I just mean that will react to a stimulus um, that, you know, if, if he sees something as a threat that he will react. Now, my dog definitely needs to work on some of his uh, reactiveness with certain things. Um, when he's on the leash walking around, he's, you know, 99% there. He's, he's pretty good. But like when we're in the car, if someone walks up, you know, even close to our car, he might bark at him or something like that. Um, and that's stuff we got to work on, but it's not the end of the world. Cause he's in the back of my truck at the back seat with the windows up. No big deal. Um, which like I said, again, it's kind of what I like is I, he's in the back seat. I go inside somewhere. I know if anybody comes near my car, he's going to be barking. And guess what? My car is the last one to get broken into, you know, um, at least in my mind. All right. So that's, I don't necessarily see it as a bad thing. So um, what I was saying is that you get that extreme loyalty from those type of dogs because they get so happy to see you because that's that's what they're bred to do. They're bred to really bond with you. And that makes them, gives them the motivation to have those protective instincts that much more. I have a um, work colleague that he brings his dog to work every once in a while, even though he's not supposed to, but he does. And it's a, like a golden retriever. And I love the dog. His name is TC. And I'll throw the ball and he'll just chase the ball. I mean, endlessly. But make no mistake, everybody that walks into that door, that room or that building that wants to play ball with that dog, that dog sees that person no different than he sees his owner. Like his, his owner will call him and he'll come. But if you got a ball and you want to go play with him and you want to take him outside, uh, he'll follow you anywhere. He'll get in your car. He'll do anything. Because that's what type of dog those are. And so he's just as happy to see me as he is his owner most of the time or anybody else. He's happy to see anybody that will play ball with him. Romulus isn't. Romulus is happy to see me. He's happy to see my wife. He don't give a shit about anybody else. And because of that, you get, I've had so many different dogs and this dog gives me uh, affection and companionship on a different level than any other dog breed that I've ever had. And those things are related. If the dog is aloof toward other people, it's probably going to be more bonded to you unless it's been traumatized or something like that. But what I'm talking about, the, the breed specifics, there's certain breeds that they're, that, you know, the Connie Corsos, it's not, they don't have a monopoly on it. There's other breeds that don't, they're kind of aloof toward strangers and they're usually a little bit more connected with their owners. I haven't had every single breed in the world, but I can tell you this, out of all the breeds that I've had or interacted with, Connie Corsos, I've never had a bond even close to a dog. Not even close. He would spend 100% of the time with me, 100% of the time if he could. And um, that's a powerful thing and that's exactly what I wanted in a dog. So I guess to wrap this up, so you want a Connect Corso, understand what you're getting in, into. 
Understand why. Always ask why. Why am I doing this? Why am I, why this breed? And at some point, if you're buying a Corvette, you can't get mad that the handling sucks and it and it spins out and it will, you know, can potentially cause an accident if you give it too much gas. Oh man, but I just like the way it looks. Okay, that comes at a consequence. Bad gas mileage, high insurance prices, um, you know, all that impracticality that comes with it. So is it is that worth it just to have something that looks good? Or do you actually want to say, hey, I, I like the way that this drives, even though it's, you know, not the best handling. Um, it spins out all the time. I can't drive it in the snow. Can't really even drive it in the rain. It's not very practical. It's high insurance, but I still want one because I really like, I identify with this type of car. I like the way it makes me feel. I like the feeling that I have when I'm driving it. I like the performance. You have to be into it. You got to understand the why. Why are you getting this? And if you're getting it just for show, you're getting it just so you can wear the Conte Corso t-shirt. You're getting it just because it looks mean, but you don't want to deal with the consequences of what that means for your dog to look mean or to be mean. Then you should probably find another breed. Don't be realistic of what why you're getting it. And a realistic view is you can have your dog that is not reactive and snapping at people. You can have him where or her where they interact with people and get pet at the park. I'm not saying you can't have that. What I'm saying is it's going to be, it, it might be more challenging to have that type of dog with a Connie Corso because of where the starting point of that dog versus another dog. Are there Labradors that are reactive and biting people? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not saying that it's always 100% concrete. What I'm saying is the chances of you getting a Conte Corso that's less friendly to strangers than a Labrador is pretty good. <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I've had a few labs and, and a few Goldens. So I'm just saying that there will be a point that you will get a Conte Corso that um, is a little bit more dominant, a little bit more distrusting of strangers. That's just a fact. And if you got lucky with your first, don't think that that's the standard. Or make sure to 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 really shop around for those breeders that have non-working Conte Corsos, quote unquote, and their instincts are kind of dulled and it's, it's more, they're all show and no go, so to speak. Like those kit cars, like a Corvette that really has a Miata engine. <laughs> okay, that, that's fine if you're just looking for the looks, but uh, I'm not. I'm looking for the actual performance of the dog. I researched Connie Corsos for an entire calendar year before I got Romulus. And I talked to three different breeders. I knew exactly what I was wanting and what I was getting into. And nothing's perfect, nothing works out beautifully and sometimes you don't realize how hard something's going to be until you do it but make no mistake I have no regrets like when the vet says I'm sorry you got to deal with a dog that no, I'm not I don't I like that he uh is is somewhat reactive I like uh, um that I don't have to stop and talk to every single person that wants to walk up to me because my dog kind of side eyes him or um you can tell doesn't doesn't want to interact with them 
but at the same time, I can like I was at the dog park with him, another dog, and a, a and a lady the other day for forty five minutes, and he only thing he did wrong with her is he did pee on her leg. <laughs> I don't know why he walked right up to her and peed on her leg. I've, uh, he's done that once before at the dog park. I don't know what it is. Uh, he's just kind of a shit in that way, but he didn't care about her. Um, if anything, he, I mean, he chased the ball when she threw it and stuff like that. And, and, uh, had her give him a treat, but he, he kind of ignored her. Um, and to be honest, he does that with other dogs too. After he plays with them for maybe five minutes, he kind of ignores him. He didn't really care about him anymore. So, um, I like to be able to have a dog that's a little bit more flexible, but I don't mind that he's not the bell of the ball and wants everyone to pet him. I'm fine with that. I'm completely fine with that. So the question is, are you fine with that? And if you're not, then like I said, you you got to be good with that. To me, you got to be good with that if you're getting this breed. You got to be good with that at some level. I'm not saying that that should be your objective, but you got to be good with that. You got to be good with your dog might be barking at strangers. He might be barking when someone comes to the door. He might not be excited when someone just walks in unannounced and he's not going to be up there wagging his tail, bringing him a ball to throw. That is not the type of dog that you're getting. And why I say this is because um, the longer I have a Conte Corso, the more that I want to be responsible with this breed. And as much as I encourage people to ex- explore the Conte Corso, I also want to discourage the wrong person from getting them because if you are the wrong person it, it can be a bad situation and like I've said before uh, the the most heartbreaking thing that I see is like the Connie Corso rescue sites as because I know that the majority of these Connie Corsos that are quote-unquote rescues are they're not lost dogs they're not a you know they're either abandoned or people uh, surrendered surrendered them to a shelter because they didn't have the tools necessary to train them or the dog wasn't what they thought that it was going to be. And a, a Connie Corso that is not trained properly, that reaches adulthood, that spends some time in a shelter, good luck trying to adopt that dog. Good luck trying to get somebody to get that dog because you can't, you probably don't want to give them to a family, you don't want to get them, give them to a multi-dog household. It takes a special person to want to adopt a dog like that. And so, if, if I can discourage you from getting a Connie Corso, if you're not 100% sure that you're committed to it, then I say don't get one. There's a, so many other dog breeds out there that you will get great companionship from. You can have fun with. You can go on a walk. Like my neighbors have a golden retriever, and she's happy to see everybody. She'll bark at me. Like she'll see me come outside, and row, row, start barking, and I go, Ellie, hush. And I'll come up to the fence. She's just wagging her tail and submitting to me. And she has no vicious streak in her body at all. I, I could be a, a stranger walking up to the house. She might bark. But as soon as I say, come here, girl, and she's putty in my hands. I don't want a dog like that. I've had dogs like that. They're fine. But if you want a dog like that, they're, they're out there. Go get one. Okay? Go get one. You can play ball with them. You can walk them. You can have them jump in and out of your car, you know, have them eating puppuccinos at Starbucks with you, bringing them inside, you know, see people bringing their dogs everywhere. That's cool. And, and you know, and even some of the other Mastiff breeds are a little bit more laid back than Connie Corsos. You can still have that big, powerful looking dog that is well-mannered, but you're rolling the dice if you're trying to get your Connie Corso to be like that. That's all I'm saying. Just be responsible. All right. 
Till next time, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. You can reach me, um, the Connie Corso X on Instagram. Message me. Um, you know, check out the content in the sense of if you want to see what Romulus looks like, if you want to see videos of our training, his personality, all that good stuff. The Connie Corso X on Instagram. Uh, thank you guys for uh, subscribing, recommending this to a friend, leaving comments, all that stuff. It is much appreciated. Till next time, everybody. Be kind to man's best friend. Peace. Ah, 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 ah.